da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? Showtime. One, three, two. Well, it's been ten years of speculation. Ten years of films, dozens of hours of discussion from us here on the show, but it all comes down to this. We finally get a chance to discuss the most anticipated movie of all time, Sherlock Gnomes. Yeah, this <laughs> thought this weekend would never finally come. Finally here. Finally, finally here. Had it circled in my calendar for a, a long time. I've been researching all the previous <laughs> gnome movies, Gnomeo and Juliet. Uh, I believe that's the only other one, but you know, it was... It was, uh, it was a bro, looping. What about the OG, a gnome named Norm? Sorry. In the 90s. <laughs> the OG. I had that movie on a bootleg VHS as a kid. I've always seen it about 200 times. Tweet me, uh, fellow Norm, Norm heads out there, gnome named Norm. I'll see you guys at the convention next year. Well, <laughs> man, uh, I hope the uh, listener is excited about this as I am because um, the uh, people coming to my house are a little scared by all the gnomes I've got around, but it's. Um, it's all in good terms of research. Not, a lot of people have, you know, collect Star Wars and Marvel yeah. toys. I mean, it's just exclusively gnomes Bro. of all, all but kinds. No, but the weird part is, the part I respect about you for, no garden gnome. No, just no, other no. Anyone, you know what I mean? Sir. Indoor gnome. Yeah. Indoor gnome. It's a little, yeah, it's a little insulting for the to assume that every gnome is the garden gnome. You know, you don't want to stereotype, you know. Right. You don't want to just yeah. put them in a garden immediately. But, uh, well, um... I hope the VIPs enjoyed our throwback on Iron Man last week. I know I enjoyed talking about Iron Man, talking about the MCU, leading us to this week and Infinity War. Uh, definitely one of the most anticipated movies of all time, certainly in the superhero movie genre. Not sure about all time in terms of the entire scope of filmmaking, but certainly for this sector of of films, it's... um. It's a, it really does all come down to this. It was there's almost nothing that can describe the level of anticipation that people had or the level of care that people had about this film and these characters and the level of attachment to them. So um this was almost guaranteed to fail from the fans' perspective. I mean, you're not you're <laughs> almost guaranteed not to please everybody. But uh it's pretty surprising how well they have been able to do that uh this past weekend in terms of uh, the overall reaction to the film. So excited to talk about it tonight at length. We are going to do that. Uh, we're going to put aside movie news, rumors, rumblings uh, for another day, but we're going to shout out some VIPs, some awesome people who have joined us over on that feed. And uh, we're going to talk American treasures. And then of course, mm. plenty of Avengers, Marvel MCU discussion. But uh, Brian has our mm-hmm. list of shout outs for the evening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're unfamiliar, if this is your first time listening to Mad About Movies podcast, welcome, number one. Number two, uh, we do a weekly episode. We also have a, a VIP club that you can get to at madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP to join, and you get uh, a lot of cool perks. You get a, a handwritten letter from me. That's the number one thing, I think. That's what most people join for, yeah, they do. I think, uh, given our the surveys that we run, extensive, extensive <laughs> surveys. Uh you also get uh, access to bonus content. We do three-plus throwbacks a month that are only available to the VIPs. We also do random bonus episodes that uh, pop up from time to time. They're a lot of fun. And uh, we get your, we call your name. If, you're, if you become a VIP at some point, you will have your name shouted out 
on this here podcast. So here's uh, here's ten lovely names that I'll read off and do my best not to uh, butcher. Thank you so much to all of these people. We could not do this without you, and we so appreciate uh, appreciate your support. So, shout out to AJ Rupakalu, Andrew Pronk, Curtis Williams, Glory Finnegan, Thomas Wilson, Darren Stanchfield, Adam Sheridan, Peter Majic, Ryan Huddle, and Bethany Chandler. Thank you so 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 much. I think Thomas Wilson was my favorite name out of that of yeah. that group. Just just yeah. at the ring of the name. Thomas Wilson. Shout out. Perfect. Shout out. Yeah. Shout out to all the VIPs. Thank you so much. I've had a lot of fun over there. <laughs> Biff himself. Yeah. Biff and Biff from <laughs> yeah. uh Biff from Back to the Future. Thomas Wilson, mm-hmm. by the way. Um have I've had a really good time over there and specifically yeah, really enjoyed the uh the much anticipated and debated uh, it's, it's caused quite a stir in the VIP uh, section. We've had to call in security a couple times and uh, <laughs> kick a few people out over the over the heated best snack of all time debate discussion, which is <laughs> Mad About Snacks is debuting over in the VIP. So get excited for that and uh, head on over there. But yeah, we talked Marvel last week. We talked Iron Man. Just kind of looking back at 10 years of Marvel. That was fun to do. It's been, it's been quite a ride. Uh, as I said in that episode... Um, I really started in 2008. I I remember seeing, uh, seeing Iron Man in the theater and that was like my first kind of foray into movies again, uh, for, you know, after taking some years off of, uh, in my childhood, never really paying attention to what was out or anything like that. So that kind of ignited my love for uh, blockbuster movies again. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, I honestly can say this is probably the only series that I've seen every single movie. In the you know as they came out, I think I've seen every Marvel movie in the theater when it came out, and I don't think I can say that for you've seen Thor: Dark World the most though, right? Uh yeah, yeah. That's, That's what I meant exclusively. Sure. Was uh, I meant Thor: The Dark World and Thor: The Dark World, the director's cut, and Thor: The Dark mm-hmm. World, the fans cut, and <laughs> Thor: The Dark World, the Dark World cut, and then Thor: The Dark World. Mm-hmm. The even darker, darker cut, which is really mm-hmm. dark. It's all yeah, you can't even see. That anything. one's actually done by DC, yeah. though. That yeah, it is. It's just complete. It's actually Ridley completely Scott just a black has screen. a director's cut. He yeah, didn't even direct it, but it's right. just if Ridley Scott directed this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that one's good. Yeah. Well, um, it's been quite a ride, but uh, like I said, nothing is going to prepare you for this. Nothing prepared me for this. I I thought I knew everything that was going to happen. Every every plot twist that was going to occur every possible scenario but i i left and i was like oh whoa that was whoa so um excited to talk about that but another patented thing that we do here on the show is a segment we like to call american treasures and these are people we like to honor with the uh with the title the esteemed uh patent pending title of american treasure that uh we bestow we bestow on people that have Define what's great about American cinema, American filmmaking, American culture over the course of their career. And that can be uh, just as recent as 25 years. One of the requirements is you have to uh, be active in your field for 25 years or be 50 years old. If you started mm-hmm. comedy at age 45 and you've broken out into this American treasure in the past five years and you're 50 years old, you would still qualify, even though you haven't yeah. had the, uh, the length or breadth of career as some others. 
But um, there's another requirement, actually two more. You have to be an American for American Treasure, or you can fit into an ancillary wing, which is uh, North American Treasures or public figures. We have not opened the European Treasures wing. We're waiting for Dirk's retirement for the inaugural uh, honoree <laughs> into the European treasure. So that, that wing is well, that still, never, still under construction. Never retire. Yeah. How would you, why would you even bring that still up? Under, right still under, yeah, still, still in the development phase, but, yeah. um, but the, the most important Prince quality, Harry and Dirk are the only two that we have waiting. Those are the only two. That's it. And Christoph Waltz. That's it. Um, <laughs> the only other requirement we have, and it's the most important and, and it's the make or break for a lot of these candidates is sense of humor about oneself. How well do you take a joke? Um, are you a fun person to be around? Do you have a negative stigma about you? Do you make other people feel horribly when you walk in the room? There has to be a good – you have to have a good reputation in terms of that stuff or some example out there maybe in pop culture of something you've done that to poke fun at yourself or um, be in on the joke a little bit. So that that's definitely into consideration. And the rules are basically best two out of three wins. The three of us vote. And that's how we choose American treasures. So the entire Hall of Fame can be found on our website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Just click American Treasures. Okay. Without further ado, I have a lot of candidates to bring to the table mm. tonight. I could go several different ways with this, but I'm going to leave it up to Richard to determine who I'm going to bring to the table because I'm going to go kind of the opposite. I don't want to flood this okay. thing with one one uh, person, one type of person. So, yeah, go. So you're letting me go first? I don't choose between two people for you? Me go no, first yeah, you, you bring your me? person okay. Okay. Uh, to the gotcha. table, and then I'll base cool. mine off that. Yeah. So mine is someone that has, I will be honest, is definitely of age and has had a long career. But I wouldn't say, I, this is a, a five-tool player pick in that it's someone mm. who has... I love when you talk baseball. Ooh. I know. So. It's, well, you know I'm, I'm a diehard. <laughs> Um, I live for the Padres symmetry of the Emerald chessboard <laughs> and the Padres. Um, so <laughs> it's someone that maybe has not reached a nine or 10 in any particular field in terms of popularity, but it's someone that is like a seven in a bunch of different things. This is someone who has had, who has made records as a musician, um, and had a lot of success in, in the seventies, someone who has acted in film and on television uh, in a ton of different things and had some success. And this is someone who probably 300 years from now will be remembered most of all as a painter. So this is an interesting I'm going to guess. Go ahead. Uh, American treasure, Orenthal, James. <laughs> si- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, wait. oh, wait, that's next one. Yeah. Oh, just kidding. So I'm um, present to you man, guys. I thought I knew, but until you said painter, I thought I knew. I was going to guess Shaquille O'Neal, but mm. um, I don't know if he paints. Brian, any he guesses? Uh, George W. Bush. Hmm. Interesting one. Fine painter, but not as much success in television or film, <laughs> nor so far. So far. Uh, Politics, kind of ironic right? indie rock in the 70s. So I'm going to go American Treasure. Andy Warhol. Martin Mull. Oh, oh yes. yeah. Discuss amongst yourselves. Brian, you can go for it. I love Martin Mull. Just brings a smile to my face. Just the moment he enters a screen, whether that's TV or movie, I love him. And and you're, you're totally right. Like That's not a guy that you're like, 
when you set out to make uh, the American Treasures Hall of Fame, you this may is what not. Makes it great. Yeah, exactly. You may not immediately think of like Martin Mull. Oh, obviously, top top five. We got to get him in. But every time you see him, as soon as you become aware of American Treasures and what like what we're going for and what. Every time you see him, like, oh, dude, that guy's got to be an American. He's so, he's just, he kind of exudes all of the stuff that we are, uh, that we're looking for. And he's and a serious, uh, like, not celebrity painter. Like, he's a yeah, serious, yeah, yeah. like, thing yeah. in the art, which is like a, that adds a cool factor to him, totally. too. Totally. Lots of great credits. And, uh, look, man, he's Gene Parmesan. So yeah. I, like, that's <laughs> really all I need. <laughs> oh, my God. It's Gene. Just yeah. incredible. <laughs> Such a great bit. Yeah. Really funny in that uh, National Lampoon movie. Too. Yeah. I really enjoyed his his work. In yeah. That. It's, it's uh, always good. He's like one of those guys. He's like a great. It's a character actor that you are always excited to be reminded about. Like every yeah. time he pops like, oh, yeah, I love this dude. Awesome. Sweet. Yes. Yeah, got my vote. For sure. His daughter's a great Twitter follower, too, by yeah. the way. Aggie Mill. Well, yeah. and what about you? What are your thoughts? Um, I dig him. I've always been a fan. Uh, Richard, are there any examples of sense of humor about oneself that you would has he done snl anything like that that you could you know comedians are hard like it's like his whole career is kind of having a sense of humor about his Mm. kind of sauna so it's like not as obvious as someone that you could say as like a dramatic actor or something yeah yeah um but he's not the the qualification i would say for a comedian is like not a jerk (laughs) and like so he fits that i think yeah i think so too um yeah definitely well-rounded guitar player too by the way like that's how he started actually Ken mm-hmm. is a is a guitar player he was almost in there's some story he told gosh i wish i could remember it now i heard i heard him on a podcast he was like almost in some huge band like he was the guitar player at first and it was like the birds and then he was like mm-hmm. no i want to try something else and then he like left and it's i'll find out what that is for another time but yeah like that that quality of like a session guitar player and then also a painter, and then also a great comedian. So I've always been a big fan. Yeah. Um, I would say the well-roundedness is what is what yeah. um, mm-hmm. I would put him in, in my opinion. Just the music mixed with the painting, mixed with the film. That's American treasure right there. You want somebody who um, doesn't necessarily put themselves in the corner, and he definitely hasn't. That's really cool. I wonder if he's going to be considered a – like you said, you kind of mentioned that in your tease. If if a hundred years from now, if he really is going to be known for his art or what, or if it's his movies or that's or what, what people say. Like people that really know that world, I've heard multiple people say like it will be funny in two two hundred years. It will be like a trivia question in art school. Like, did you know Martin Mull also acted? No way. Like he's that good. <laughs> apparently, yeah. I remember him in the uh, Tim's Vermeer documentary when yeah, they were showing him the Vermeer, and he's like. Uh, the guy that painted the Vermeer is like, yeah, you know, I sat here for about an hour trying to figure out how to use a brush. He's like, wow, it's taken me 40 years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just total AT. Love it. Great side recommend, by the way. Tim's Vermeer is a great. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that, Brian? Yeah, I have. Yeah. I love that documentary. That's like a should just always be on Netflix documentary. Oh, I've, I've watched mm-hmm. it. I've watched it a few times. Yeah. I've had to show a few people it. Like, I'll, I'll talk about it to, to them, you know, explain what it is and then be like, you just got to see it. I'll just have to show it to you, you know? And, uh, yeah, good side. I recommend, um, yeah, definitely Mar- Martin the, Mole. The def, it's definitely the best, um, 
art and technology documentary, serious art and technology documentary directed by a magician that I've ever seen. Well, <laughs> I think you, yeah. can't you haven't seen me. the Chris Angel documentary about the space time <laughs> continuum. Yeah, it's the, his. Yeah, his Tesla coil like segment was pretty good. Oof. Chris Angel. Fair. Fair. Mind freak, that by one the way. The mind freak. Peabody somehow. Yeah, that documentary. I call him the mind freak. That's fine. Who, who wants to go next? Up. So is, is he in? Martin Mull, American Treasure? Yeah. He's in. He's got my vote for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, AT, right. Martin Mull. Unanimous. He, he's probably not, yeah, he's probably not uh, on the Mount Rushmore of ATs, but he's definitely, yeah. he's yeah. definitely Good hanging bench out. player. Yeah, yeah exactly. Eight minute. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. And play seven positions like he's that guy. <laughs> sure. Brian. I am going to uh, I'm going to bring to the table one of my I, I'm going to I'm going to follow your lead here in in two ways, Richard. I'm going to follow the character actor lead because you know I love a good character actor, and and uh, this person is one Michael of the Shannon, all time yeah. great character actors, and uh, the initials MM. I'm going to keep the theme going, Ken. I'm going to put the pressure on you and see if you can oh. come up with a third AT whose initials. I know who this is going to be. I'm super excited. You want to guess? Mickey Mouse. Marilyn Manson, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Now, now we've got the whole class. Perfect. It's perfect. Uh, this is a this is an actress, and she has been in so 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 many things. I she's been in a ton of movies. I think her mark has been more on TV, um, but that's fine too. She's a uh, she's a great actress. She is a great presence. She's a she's by all regards is an incredibly fun and uh, and pleasant person to be around. Anytime she is on in an interview setting, I'm always blown away by how uh, how gracious and uh, and accommodating she is. And uh, she's a local gal too, so that doesn't that doesn't hurt either. So I'm going to bring to the table American Treasure character actress Margot Martindale. I was going to say Megan Mullally, but uh, <laughs> next, maybe next. That can time. be yours. That can be yours. I'm going to go. Uh, with I mean, she's Granny. Um, I'm a big The Millers fan. I watch it every night, <laughs> at least four or five episodes. All di- all the discs. Yeah, yeah. I roll for all Greg Garcia shows, especially his Jimmy Buffett musical. Now, <laughs> um, but I love Mark. I mean, she's the best and the coolest, and seems like such a good hang, and is a a I think phenomenal actress with yeah. a lot of range. Uh, like you said, Brian, a great character actress. Um, but I'm gonna. I'm going to leave you in suspense and let Kent talk a little bit, and then I'll give you my vote at the end. Yeah. Um, has she, do you, this is just a general question. Uh, we love Margot Martindale and her work here on the show. That's obvious. Uh, we love the Americans. We love uh, almost everything that she's done over the past 20 years or so we've talked about. But is she enough in the zeitgeist to wear the title of American Treasure? Does that make sense? Sure. I think, uh, look, she's, she is the epitome of character actress. That's it. She is a, oh, I know that, that lady from, you know, that type of, uh, a type of actress. And then you watch her and anytime, especially again on a TV show, if you, if you, uh, really dig in on the Americans or justified or, uh, any of the, uh, the good, any of the other shows that she has been a, a part mm, of, you're yeah. just immediately like, holy crap, this even if you uh, even if you don't recognize the name, I think she's somebody that like if you see her in a movie or a TV show, you pretty much always come away like, man, that I don't know who that was, but man, she was great, and I think that that lends itself 
enough to uh, for our purposes. And she has an incredible sense of humor about herself. And if you need examples of that, I don't think you have to look any further than than BoJack Horseman, wherein she voices a character called character actress Margot Martindale, and it's uh, yeah. an impressive part of of that show. So I think her. Uh, I think she's. I think she stands, man. But that, that's me. I I brought her to the table. So you're you're the voters. Yeah, loved her work in Mike and Molly. Just great. Um, <laughs> I know. She's also like, I don't even fault her for Mike and Molly or. I'm just kidding. I haven't whatever. seen that show. But uh, like, she's a awesome captain of the get them checks team, oh, but yeah, also never loses sure. any credibility because she simultaneously does something. She's like, yeah, I'll do the Millers while I do the Americans. <laughs> like, right. That's exactly. such a cool way to do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she's lucked out recently on some really good TV. I don't know if she would uh if she would have the clout that she's got. I mean, she's had a resurgence. I mean, yeah, she's totally. only she's only Sneaky been an active actor since 1991 yeah. and she's 66 now. So, I mean, uh it's only in the past like I said 5 or 10 years that she's really started to become prominent. Um I would love to see her work with uh Scorsese or uh Conan Brothers or, you know, uh something like that and, and see what she could really mm-hmm. do. I think she's an Oscar caliber actress, but uh, haven't really, haven't really got to see that much yet, but uh, hopefully we will. Margo Martindale, you're making this tough, man, on the MMs. <laughs> I'm going to have to do, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, she gets my vote. Yeah. Margo Martindale. She gets minus two. She's unanimous. I just want awesome. to let you have the, have the hammer, Kent. I'll take the hammer on yours. I'll decide for you. Okay. Yours makes it. Okay. Brian so decided for me. I've Perfect. got two choices here. Um, should I go? Two-thirds majority, by the way, for the new listeners. Yeah. Uh, actually, three choices. Should I go uh, regular old American treasure, just typical AT, what you would expect? Should I go somebody who's in their first year of eligibility or Ooh. first full year of eligibility? Or should I go with a North American treasure, which we don't have a mm. lot of? Mm. I like all of those options, Kinto. All right. Is it Whatever. is it George Lopez? <laughs> In first year of eligibility? No. Um I'm gonna go with the North American treasure just to mix things oh, I up. Like it. There you um, go. Man. Love it. So this is a a brethren from the north, our friends up the north in Ontario. Uh this guy has done what he's done for the entirety of his public life essentially um he's pretty much only known for one thing but uh he's totally embraced that and you would think after however many years it is you would get tired of doing said thing and you would mail it in and or be a tool about it all the time but uh this guy seems to bring joy to everybody's lives on a daily basis um and man totally has defined sense of humor about oneself recently uh in a number of ways, and we'll talk about that. But I'm going to present to the uh, judges here, the panel, North American treasure, Alex Trebek. Oh, man. I thought nice. I did his. Did I not do him? He's on my list. I was deciding between I don't think him so. and Martin Holt tonight. Ah, like, there you go. Yeah. yeah. A lot of Alex Trebek um, hosted over 5,000 episodes of Jeopardy and uh, still acts like it's his first episode. And reads mm-hmm. the questions with the exact same enthusiasm and flair as you would expect. 
And that's to me, I mean, it's a great gig. Don't get me wrong, hosting that show. But like I said, after 5,000 episodes, you'd think you'd be like sick of it. But uh, man, especially recently, there's been some clips of like him reading questions about Drake songs and stuff like that, that he's he's just hilarious. Um, He's done SNL multiple times. He's let Will Ferrell do his thing with his character and totally embraced it and loved it. And uh, total American treasure or North American treasure. I M O. So, yeah. Alex Trebek. What do you think, Brian? I, uh, I'm going to look, I like that. Uh, that's a good, I like off the wall choices. I like North American treasure choices. It's been fun watching Trebek over the last, like literally my entire life. He's been doing that gig. So, uh, man, it, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a strong, strong candidate, but I'm, I am in a with in the spirit of this, uh, this competition here. I will uh, I will hold my vote and let Richard be the the deciding factor, and then uh, I'll give you mine after after we hear from RB. RB, what's your thoughts on Trebek? Uh, um, also, yeah. also, Big- some people might know him from as the host of Pillsbury Bake Off on CBS. <laughs> That's what I mostly case, know him from. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I I Trebek was on my list, so I think it's no surprise how I'm going to vote. But I will say, last month we stayed at our in laws uh, for a month. And they didn't have cable, but they had that weird, you can get that digital like antenna thing, and it gets you all mm-hmm. these channels that no one has except for uh, Ion. Yeah. See, exactly. There's Ion, which is Law & Order <laughs> SVU 24, uh, NCIS Los Angeles. So it's like either fine, like Law & Order I can vibe with, or let's get this off the screen as soon as possible. And then there's like this... It's not the game show network, but it's like another game show network. It's called like Buzz. <laughs> anyway, they have all these 70s game shows, and I was all in. And I'm watching one, and it's like, I don't remember really what the game was. It's like Card Sharks or something. I think it was Card Sharks. And they were, it, the bit was that week on Card Sharks, they would have hosts from other game shows as the contestant. And like a 27 year old in a leisure suit, Alex Trebek and Afro. Wow. He's a contestant. He wasn't the host of Jeopardy yet. Awesome. He was hosting something else, and he's like, I, "I'm not kidding. I, I'm not kidding about this. Probably six. He's Canadian, so I should double. Okay, probably about eleven drinks in. Uh, <laughs> I would say about five for an American, but you know, you know, you guys know the exchange rate. And so, um, Australians and Canadians, you just double, uh, and then then add one. Um, and it was incredible." Uh, just a real chest, the Alex Trebek, just smack talking the other the other host, who's the other contestant. <laughs> it was awesome. So that he was already on my list, but I had to tell that anecdote because it made him even more of an American treasure. Absolutely, Alex Trebek is a North American treasure. Brian, he he yeah, act, no uh, just to clarify, he actually holds dual citizenship in yeah. America and the U.S. I mean, America and uh, Canada. So since '98, he's been a U.S. citizen as well. Yeah. So. Just a technicality there. Perfect. Yeah, dude, I love Trebek. This is an easy yes for me. He's a, I think he's become, uh, he's the rare, you almost said comedian. I don't know if you can quite count him. as He's the rare personality that has, uh, that's, that's gotten better with age in his, like, it's not just that he's good at what he does, but I think, I think if you, I think it would be not totally unexpected if, doing jeopardy for 35 years if he had just kind of become beaten with it mm-hmm. kind of like Pat Sajak is and 
<laughs> is just uh, like, I'm just like, I'm here because I can't turn this paycheck down. But gosh, what a weapon this is. I got to talk to these people. Whereas Trebek has kind of leaned into it a little more and has become, it's like he knows he has job security at this point. So he can be a little, a little more uh, smarmy to the, to the, the contestants and have little quips and stuff. And I think that has made him even more awesome than he, uh, than he was before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's say Jack too. It's like that's the, the Jeopardy show has got to be so much more interesting. Like, cause at least you can like, oh, yeah. learn some trivia yeah. and stuff cool. and, yeah. pretend like you know all these answers that's the best part about trebek is he always pretends like no i'm sorry it was yeah, like he knows everything yeah it's like yeah. no you don't know that dude it's on your card but i yeah. love that about him that's awesome same here yeah uh whereas but he can at least learn back like, oh, oh libya the first country <laughs> oh yeah he just he absolutely roasts contestants Sajak that, that don't are bad watch. Yeah, yeah but sajak just has to watch that wheels <laughs> spin and that's gotta be just I mean, he makes like thirty million a year or whatever, so like it's not that bad. But right. that has to be like some. Kind yeah, of it's already bad. It's just like E, any E's, yeah, S, cool. awesome. two S's. Right. Okay, spin it again. Yeah. Today, yeah, <laughs> and go ahead and pick that pick that Hawaiian vacation up. He always has to prompt, prompt them <laughs> yeah. on right. Yeah. You know, what to do. you know who has it totally made is Vanna White because. It's clearly just like a computer and a dude back there like switching a thing. <laughs> she's not she's not flipping anything anymore. You know, they actually have you just have to have her back there because they're like, how are we going to reveal the puzzle? Well, I guess we have to hire a person to stand up there and flip it. Over. You know, uh, so she's just literally just standing there and making ten million a year, probably something like that. Syndicated money's so stupid. So awesome. good. Yeah, awesome. we could syndicate this podcast. We'd all be billionaires. Yeah. Well, that's what we did. We actually recorded this episode four years ago. In random cities. <laughs> I'll sell this podcast right now to Sinclair Media. I mean, I'll read. Yeah. You guys want me to read? No. I'm cool. That'd be my Put one out, out I think. <laughs> well, we are going to take a, sip. a strong class. Strong class. Those guys will. They will enjoy the that that'll be a fun uh, apartment at the inauguration. They will. They'll enjoy their their denim vest with American flag lining and American eagle embroidery, and they'll wear it together at the after party tonight. VIPs will see you there. After party is the hotel lobby. Yeah, we'll see you there in your satin. All right, um, we're gonna take a break, take a swig of coffee, and come back in about seven seconds and talk adventures. So right off the top here, I'm just going to go ahead and say spoiler alerts for anybody listening to this. If you've not seen Infinity War to the end, you're probably not going to want to listen to this because we are going to spoil things for you. We hate to say that, but this is the rare exception on the show that we can't really talk general thoughts without talking the entire breadth of what this movie means and what happens in it. So right off the top right now, spoiler alerts from here on out for Avengers Infinity War. But for our review tonight, we are joined by a guest who is here as, I think, lost a bet or something like that. Some, <laughs> something similar, some kind of situation where she is, uh, she's on the show. She's joining us for the first time. Please welcome Ellen. Hey, Ellen. Hi. Glad to be here. <laughs> Good to have you. Uh, excited to talk Marvel, all things Avengers tonight. Uh, we understand you're a fan of that, uh, but we need to ask you two questions 
before we uh, move on to our review. And those questions are, uh, have you seen a little um, cinematic universe known as the Now You See Me cinematic universe? I have. I've seen and the see NYSMCU, in case you're curious. Yeah, for short. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> this is short. short. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have. And, uh, and, and I saw the second one. And I will say, if anything, I thought that uh, hard throwing in the bank vault seed could have been a little longer. But, <laughs> you know, that's... <laughs> It was only but seven. It that, was only seventy-five minutes for that one scene. Right, it could have been um, a little. It could have been eighty-five. I guess. I mean, could have just been the whole movie. <laughs> right. And like we could, we could have learned more contextually. Like where did those cards come from? What's their story? What's yeah. their history? And that's what I'm hoping for the prequel. We can learn about that pack, that deck. <laughs> Very important fourth character. This. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. And two Woodies is always better than one. So that's. Uh, that's uh, always and, 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 for, and, and, for three in the yeah. third movie. Fingers <laughs> crossed. They, honestly, if they brought in a triplet in the third one, I would. <laughs> like, I, that would turn me. Might completely thing. change. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Gosh, I hope that happens. That'd be my, my mind would explode. <laughs> I'd have to leave. I don't think I could handle that. Um, <laughs> the other question I want to ask you is, are you a fan of the, uh, mcgruber cinematic universe i am still waiting on that second mcgruber um but yeah no i love mcgruber actually when i found out we were gonna be i was gonna be recording on this episode uh i was like okay now i need to go watch mcgruber yes, again of course go yeah. ahead and celebrate the news <laughs> first thing i so, think every morning when i wake up that exact thought so yeah awesome. of course <laughs> good or we're glad you passed both tests and you can stay mm-hmm. on for the rest Line of the review. Goes. Yeah, it's 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 crazy how many people we have to kick off right after that point. <laughs> how uh, many unaired episodes? Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a waste of time. Look, but gotta have a code. Yeah, gotta have a code. Um, that and quarter mile at a time. Those are our two codes. Yeah. I think I started off this conversation a few weeks ago uh, when we were talking about our most anticipated movies of the year, and. Um, what I remember saying about Infinity War was the fact that it is 10 years in the making, the fact that there is so many movies that are leading to this moment, the fact that there's so many storylines they have to wrap up, there's the fact that there's so many characters that they have to bring together, the fact that this is revolving around a villain that we haven't really seen yet, but is supposed to be the uh, the ultimate villain of this entire climax of the story for all these films. I just thought there's no way this can ever meet anyone's expectations. I, I just didn't think that I just thought it was too big of a task, even for Marvel to uh, overcome. Um, I will say for the most part, I thought this was a really entertaining movie. I, I really enjoyed it. It brought me back to the original Avengers where I, I had the exact same thoughts in the 2012 Avengers going into the movie. I was like, man, there's no way they're going to make this work. There's so many characters that they have to do. There's so much that they have to get accomplished. How's this going to be? How's this going to work? I just didn't think it was possible. They proved me wrong. Then they proved me wrong again. I really enjoy seeing characters on screen together that we haven't seen before. I think Mm -hmm. that's a really smart thing that Marvel has in their back pocket is combining these characters and creating these little teams, these little uh, duos, these little, I don't know. I want to call them, you know, Laurel and Hardy type moments with these characters that uh, you just don't get with that chemistry with 
a lot of these movies and they can they're they have such an advantage in the endless possibilities of the combinations of characters so um i really enjoyed that aspect of it um i think what makes the movie win and we are in spoilers i will warn you again i'm gonna say something right Final now warning. that's yeah. literally gonna spoil ah. the movie for you if you haven't seen it so again um i think the stuff with thanos and gamora it makes the movie i thought it was so well done and it brings it mm. so into reality and the way thanos was handled in this i thought was just a stroke of genius by marvel the anticipation the way they introduced the character with let's just knock out Loki and Hulk in the first minute of the movie, literally, and show this guy's power. And that, you know, everybody's convinced after that, well, this guy can do anything, you know, those are the two biggest or most powerful beings in, in Marvel up to that point. And he walks through them like it's nothing. I thought the setup was great. I thought the emotion of the story was, was perfect with Gamora, like I said. And uh, another a uh, big thing that stuck out for me w before I uh, hand it over to y'all for your uh, initial thoughts is this really did did good for the ancillary characters of of the Avengers. I mean, it did good by I'm not don't get me wrong. I mean, Thor has some great moments in this. Uh, Cap has some great moments in this. Um, but I think it really where it really shines is the Gamoras, the Nebulas, the Doctor Strange, uh, the characters that the Mar even the Marvel fans have a hard time. Uh, admitting that they are necessary in this entire thing. And they really yeah. gave them parts and moments in this that made them feel like a part of the Avengers. And that was really, really refreshing. I thought this was going to be another Thor, another Cap. Here's Black Widow. Oh, cool. Here's Thanos and Iron Man, and we'll call it a day. And, uh, oh, by the way, Black Panther's here too. No, I think it was kind of the opposite. <laughs> I mean, all the main characters kind of took the back seat to the to the uh, underutilized characters, and I really like that about this. But, I mean, the main characters have great moments as well, too. Everybody's shining. Everybody's having fun. And um, really liked this and haven't even discussed the ending, which is uh, a whole other topic, which might be 30 minutes on its own. But um, overall, I was really impressed with this. And what I'll say is, is this a great movie? I don't know. Is this a great Marvel movie? Heck yeah, it is. So that's mm. really that's really my my thoughts um, before we get get more specific. But uh, but Ellen, well, I hand it off to you for for the first word here out of uh, out of the gate. What you got? What, what were your thoughts on on this? Yeah, so um, I mean, I agreed. I really did enjoy the experience of watching it. I I went to watch it last night, and then I went again today to kind of see if I could catch some things I didn't really notice before and. I mean, even on the second watch, I, I, I really did catch myself. I got excited when, you know, they introduced a new scene with characters that I, I knew and loved and was, I was just excited to see them. And I was excited to see how they paired off with other characters. And I know, like, I really was worried, I guess, as a lot of people were, that it would feel kind of bogged down by all these characters and all these storylines intersecting, but I think they did a really good job of kind of separating them off, you know, into the separate storylines yeah. and kind of going to them, you know, at appropriate times where you didn't feel as a viewer that it was overwhelming to have all these characters or it was overwhelming to have all these storylines because, you know, they, of course they all had kind of the same goal, but I, and I also, I really do agree that, the Gamora and Thanos relationship was my favorite part as well. I feel like that really kind of 
grounded a lot of this storytelling because it can seem so fantastical and just kind of, I don't know, but if you know what I mean, but like the, that was the part that I really enjoyed the most. I'd say I, I, I agree with you there on that part. And, um, yeah, I'd, I liked the kind of odd pairings, especially with like Rocket Raccoon and, um, with Thor. I love that bit a lot, mm. but yeah, that's what I mean. Kind of generally, yeah, I, I was really pleasantly surprised on how they were able to get the story to push forward. And as a viewer, not feel totally overwhelmed by all these characters. Awesome. Brian. Yeah, I'm with both of you guys. It was a uh, it kind of, I don't know, I'm trying to find if there's anything different that I could say, but I, I love the movie. I had a great time with it. Um, we'll get into, obviously, the spoilers, we, we, like we said, we were talking about up front, but um, I don't want to get too far into the, the conclusion at this point. Uh, that if I had an issue, it's it's with some of the stuff that happened at the, you know, the very end of the movie, but I was very impressed with the way in which uh, Thanos was made to be an actual character and not just the big, bad, overwhelming force of evil headed our direction or whatever. That's uh, something that we super missed in the Marvel movies. And I say that as a huge fan of of, uh, pretty much all of these movies. But, you know, the villains haven't been supremely, uh, particularly strong throughout the course of the whatever the 18 movies or so that we're at this point, this is a, this is kind of a different guy. And and that's good because we've been building to him for a really long time. And it, um, if there was like this, I mean, there's no chance that this, this movie wasn't ever going to make like a ton of money. I'm still shocked at the overall poll. I thought, uh, I, I really didn't think anyone, anything would touch force awakens. And that lasted for, you know, two and a half years. So what do I know? But, uh, I, I think this movie would have made money regardless um, but I think in order for it to be a true, true success, given what we've uh, been through over the last 10 years of these movies and three phases and the building and the building and the building, Thanos, if he comes out and falls flat, that really feels like a, 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 a miss and a big swing and a miss. And you just kind of walk away thinking like, well, it was this all uh, worth my time to, to get to this point in some ways. And, and instead, I think that came out and hit hard. I was super impressed to by the way, and, when, and both of you have, have mentioned this already, but just to touch on it, the uh, the, the way in which the, the, the Russos were able to um, to blend all these characters together seamlessly, and I think it was I think it was kind of a stroke of genius in two ways to, number one, separate them out and put some of them here and some of them here and some of them here and kind of spread them out over the universe and over the timeline in a way and just um, instead of having all these scenes where you just have literally 30 faces and names that you recognize it, uh, instead you're usually, you know, you've got four five, six, something like that. And that, that makes, I think that helped a lot. And I, I thought it was genius to, to group them the way they did. Like you said, Ellen, to have Thor with, with rocket and, uh, cap with his kind of, you know, his, his nomad renegade force or whatever. And, uh, and Stark with, with uh, Doctor Dark, Strange yeah, and Strange. and the the guard the Guardians are split in half. It it I thought that was really smart because it I think gosh I'm I'm maybe more than anything else that's what's impressive to me is the way in which they they pulled that off and kept it from becoming this 25 minutes feels like a Guardians movie and this 25 minutes feels like a Thor movie and this 20 minutes is an Iron Man movie and instead it it blended really really well I I thought there was maybe one part in the whole 
the whole thing, especially once they go all their separate ways, where it we, we took a little too long to get back to Wakanda at one point. And I, I thought that was the only flaw in the whole uh, the storyboard, basically, of uh, jumping back and forth between these uh, settings and the segments and where all of these these various characters were. But, uh, man, it was I, I'm, I'm very impressed. And I I think that it does it. You do. I did at least I came away feeling aside from just what happened in the movie, but just the overall the quality of it and the competency of it and the and how they were able to pull it all off. I just I, I don't know. It felt it was kind of satisfying to just be like, OK, that this whole big, long 10 year adventure that we've been on it uh it worked it was it was worth it and and i'm excited to see where we go from here but it was uh it was a fitting it was a very satisfying and fitting way to to kind of pull it all all together so uh richard you got any uh any thoughts here not much in addition to to all of your your great thoughts um but but real again i enjoyed it quite a bit more than i thought i would i i didn't find the marketing to the, this Though I understand now because it had to be so purposefully vague and misleading. Mm-hmm. I didn't find it really that I found the Age of Ultron marketing, you know, a lot more interesting. I was like more excited for that. Whereas Spader. this I was like Spader, bro. Well, the Spader too, yeah. <laughs> and uh there's a really good car crash right outside the theater before I oh, walked oh, in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Um but, <laughs> but uh the the film itself really lived up to it and and uh it added a lot more stakes, whether those are permanent or just for the sake of the film stake, we can get into later uh, than, than have ever been in Marvel films before. And I thought uh, that it, it popped along pretty well. Um, and then with, with kind of a cliffhanger ending, which I found interesting for a Marvel movie, because normally these things are tied up in, in nice little bows. And this was originally supposed to be two movies, but they very smartly, I think, kind of diverted us from thinking it would be. Uh, and made this kind of all one, and then we're like, "There's this mystery other Marvel movie coming out next year," and now we're like, "Oh, well, no, it's back to where it, this will be part two, <laughs> you know, whatever this is coming out." So, um, I'm I'm certainly interested in that, and uh, the, the kind of rejuvenated. I, I that's not true. Spider-Man and Thor really kind of rejuvenated my love for this. Civil War really didn't. It's not a bad movie, <laughs> but it was kind of like I like Civil War, but it didn't. It just felt like such a continuation. Whereas Spider-Man and and Regonk, uh, as we always say, uh, really kind of re- I was like, oh, these are such fun movies. And then this kind of continued and like, yeah, at least kind of confused me. You know, it's this isn't as probably fun as either of those, uh, but it definitely is. Uh, it definitely added some some curveballs, which these movies have not really had before. Mm-hmm. So. Sure. It's like maybe Jeff Bridges. At the end yeah. Of the very- <laughs> right. Pretty strong, like one year where. Spider-Man: Homecoming and Thor: Regonk and this and Black Panther, that's uh, it's a pretty strong, it's a pretty strong year. If Guardians of the Galaxy two is the kind of the worst movie that you've made in a year in which you've made like I don't know, it's crazy they've had five in the last year, unreal five movies in the last year, and yeah. then Deadpool now kind of is like kind of I mean it's not in the MCU Ancillary, but I mean right right money wise it is like it's just that's crazy. It's no surprise to me that it made the money that it did. Uh, I see what you're saying, Richard, in terms of the advertising. But, uh, yeah, they kept it vague. And basically the selling point was just, oh, it's Iron Man and then Black Panther's here too. And remember Doctor Strange and the Hulk? Yeah, they're here as well. And, oh, yeah, the Guardians, by the way. Uh, 
I mean, that's really all people came to see. The fact that they made it work as a story is uh, is pretty awesome. Um, I think it was a stroke of genius as well uh, in terms of the villain to cast a real actor in that role. I was confused as like why they cast Josh Brolin in that role because you think it would just be totally CG'd. It would be what they did with Spader and Ultron, right? It would just be he's doing the voice or whatever, and the rest will be whatever. Um, they needed a real actor to do that. They needed to do the whole face and capturing the emotion and doing everything. I thought Thanos looked great. I thought he looked terrible in the trailers, but on screen, as I was watching it, I thought Thanos looked really good. I couldn't, I couldn't tell the the line between makeup and, and CG for a lot of this stuff. So, um, in terms of the whole character design aspect of the thing, um, I thought they nailed Thanos out of the park. I love the changes they made to the other Avengers too. Cap and like the Nomad all dark yeah. suit looked really awesome. Uh, Thor definitely doesn't have the long hair Thor hammer anymore. He's a, he's a different character. He's essentially just Chris Hemsworth now. And I love the line with, uh, I like that. With, We're all totally fine with that. Yeah. I love the, I love the line with Drax where he was like, get this dude on the table. He's like, this isn't a dude. This is a man. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. that was really good. Um, I thought, man, the pirate oh, angel, they called him. Right. Yeah. I, <laughs> when it, when they brought the guardians in to the fold Strong. and they showed, we're playing the song by the spinners and they're, they're all singing along and they're kind of doing that pan around the ship of all the characters. I was like, this is a guardians movie for, for about eight minutes. I was like, I felt like I was in a guardians movie and it felt really cool to, for them to be able to do that. Remember for the longest time when we talked about like, how is this ever going to work with the Avengers, you know, and how, how natural it feels now is just a it's a testament to the past three years of them kind of yeah, warping really warp, like yeah kind of warping like Doctor yeah. Strange and and Ant Man they've really done a good job of bringing it back around to make that mm-hmm. stuff not seem as jarring when juxtaposed with uh, the other properties so that's great um, honestly Tony Stark to me has a, a, as little role now as ever. And we can talk about this, too, in in terms of where they're going forward. But to me, Tony Stark, in terms of Marvel as a whole, is less necessary now than ever. And if if I'm Marvel, I'm trying to get out of that deal now and move on now without Robert Downey Jr. I really think they could. I really think that with Chadwick Boseman and with Sebastian Stan and with Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth and, you know, with Tom Holland coming along, I really think that they... He's not what this centers around anymore. And this movie really cemented that to me. Not in you know, in terms of plotting as well as in terms of star power. What do you guys think? Yeah, look, I like he almost forget he's the there and he shows go. up and it's like yeah. I mean, I think they you know, they went to the Guardian scene and then they cut to I think it's Tony and Pepper Potts, and I'm just like, ugh. You know, I'm just like I felt like we we're past this in the story, like the entire arc of Tony and Pepper and the whole thing. But um, where do you think they go, or, or what were you going to say, Brian, in terms of that? Well, Evans is the first to go. His contract is up after the next uh, after next year's Avengers movie, and I think he's been he's been unless he pulls a Daniel Craig and decides to like six times down the line, like oh, I keep doing this. I, I think he's gone, uh, and you kind of have a replacement for him with with Anthony Mackie if if you want to go that route. So I I do I, I agree with you. I think they're. I think they're headed in a direction to kind of phase out 
some of the first team Avengers and whether that they are replaced or the character just moves along, then, then, uh, you know, that, that remains to be seen. I think you're totally like the pepper, it, the beginning with, uh, with Tony and pepper and Iron Man. I'm like, I don't, I don't super don't care about pepper pots and I don't care about this Gosh. relationship at it's all. A, it's the, the least convincing out there though. There's some sweet goop home health. Tips. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. It's the exactly. least convincing on screen supposed romance. I can remember like, yeah. uh, they're trill still trying to convince us that they're like in love and this whole I don't I just don't buy it. You can only do so much when you're when you're talking to Gwyneth Balker. I yeah. but uh look it, it's fine. I thought the stuff with I love I love the stuff with Tony with Tony and Peter Parker. I think that mm-hmm. is some of the most fun that that was a part of the what made uh Homecoming so great and uh I, I super enjoyed that as well, those segments. And and there's like a real that you're to your point, Ken, like he, he has way more chemistry with Tom Holland than he does uh than he does with Gwyneth Paltrow and, and that's a relationship that actually matters to the future of mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Certainly to the next movie. Now where they go from there, I don't know. I, I mean look, we just kind of reading uh reading the narrative and seeing where this movie ends and where we're headed into the next movie, I mean I I definitely feel like, and I, I'm curious if you guys agree with me, but I mean, I feel like we're at a place to pass the torch, at least with with uh, Tony Stark and and Cap. I think we are, we've seen, look, without, again, going so super far into the end, ending, which I imagine we'll touch on big time, um, just from a, like a narrative structure standpoint, you now have the, basically the original Avengers uh, have been wounded big time and now whatever's going to happen they will be going off to face thanos um from a different perspective it just it just it, the, the groundwork has been laid for sacrifice for um last ditch efforts that will cost people their lives and blah, blah 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 so like i think i think we're headed in that direction that we're not i don't think we're coming out of next year's avengers with uh with both tony and cap and i kind of don't think either one of them comes out of it alive yeah. i think i i just think that's where we're we're headed and and again narratively that that really works i in some ways i'm it would not surprise me even gosh thor was such a huge hit this last time around but even that one even um uh even ruffalo like there's there's uh something to be said that that all of those characters um could be uh could be on the way out assuming that we're going to comic book the end of this and, you know, and find a way to bring yeah. everybody back from the dead. Just, just from a business perspective, I mean, they're paying Robert Downey Jr. like $50 million a movie or something crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, like, they're, they don't need to do that anymore to guarantee that they're going to get a pull. Like, no, the I Avengers totally brand speaks for itself now, and it's not relying mm-hmm. on the fact, is Robert Downey Jr. in it or not, whether people are going to care to see it. I just think... It's this this thing is so much bigger than any one person. That's fair, I mean, but I would I would say this one made what like six hundred and fifty million dollars in its opening weekend. Uh-huh. If they did it without Robert Downey and it made like six fifteen, they'd panic. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like it's a weird it's a weird calculus, right? Maybe. Um, yeah, we'll no, see. I, I think they were kind of waiting for a moment where they can where they can you know, turn the page, so to speak, too. I mean, you want to see this thing evolve. I think they want to see this thing evolve with new characters coming in. Maybe you bring people back for after, you know, two films off, like they have kind of started doing with this. Uh, 
and I just the ending of this was such a tease because you know that there's another Avengers movie coming out one year from now that can totally erase whatever is done here or whatever. Um, and so you, I just don't know what stakes there are left. If anybody can come back at any time, which we'll talk about, uh, I'm sure a little bit later, yeah. but, uh, Ellen, uh, any other thoughts on any thoughts on anything that we've been talking about for the past 80 minutes, bogarting the mic? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things I did, uh, think about was how y'all talked about, those few minutes it felt like it was in a um a guardians movie and i really noticed that the Rus- i think the Russo brothers did a really good job of you know kind of maintaining obviously their style but while doing little ways of showing styles of kind of the way previous directors have done it i don't know if y'all noticed even um in that very first shot in wakanda you get a mm-hmm. a camera right behind the shoulder shot which is you know I guess kind of now becoming a classic cooler cooler thing to do. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously the way they led into guardians felt just like, you know, the way gun directs those movies. So, I mean, I really was impressed with that. Uh, It still didn't feel like we were mashing a bunch of different styles together somehow while doing little nods to the styles of previous directors. Um, That was really impressive to me uh, just as a, you know, a fan of the way other directors have done the movies. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of, you know, I felt like a lot of the movie was alluding to the fact that we're, you know, Iron Man's not going to make it through this. Um, mm-hmm. The whole stuff with Pepper in the beginning, even though, you know, he definitely does have better chemistry with Spider-Man, but the conversation they had about, I guess, a family, even though I don't think any of us, super care about that but the <laughs> more so <laughs> the stuff that he was saying about the wedding I think he says, or something yeah 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 but the way he was like you know thanos has been in my head for six years but you know that this has all been leading up to this moment for tony more than anything else and i think that that's kind of going to be the perfect send-off for him and i guess just again why why marvel is doing it right i mean we've had 10 years of, you know, movies that mean, you know, that are leading up to this one event and it, you know, it, it really works well. And that's, I guess, you know, not to harp on DC, but that's, you know, this is what Marvel's doing right. And other studios, I guess, aren't, but, um, it just, it makes, even though the stakes don't feel super high the way it ended, it's still Mm. in the moment made the stakes feel high as you're watching it because, you know, as you know, Tony's been, obsessing over Thanos for so many years now. And I think, right. you know, the viewers are kind of on that, on that same page, but yeah, I, I, I agree with the whole notion that, you know, Iron Man and Cap are kind of not going to make it at the end of next movie, which is, mm. I mean, understandable. I mean, the actors, they said, but 10 years ago, we signed up for this 10 year contract. Well, you know, we kind of all saw this coming, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And they can keep the characters alive of Captain America and Iron Man without the actors. I mean, they can pass the torch and Tom Holland becomes the new Iron Man and Yeah, which you know, has he, been done. Yeah, you know, and, and he brings somebody in for the uh what is it? what were the Miles Morales, they're doing that movie right. this later this year yeah. for Spider-Man. Yeah. So they're, you know, within Marvel, there's endless possibilities on how they can keep the character around without with letting the actor do go other different direction. Uh, so wouldn't pass it 
I wouldn't put it past them to do something like that. But um, I really liked uh, Thanos and his group of goons. <laughs> I thought those were used pretty good throughout the movie without having yeah. needing Thanos to be in every place simultaneously throughout the universe. Uh, I thought the goons were funny and they interacted well with the uh, the Avengers. The Squidward mm-hmm. line was hilarious. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about Hulk a little bit because we've seen Hulk do some really good stuff in the past few films, uh, specifically Thor Regonk last year, but uh, we haven't really gotten much Bruce Banner since Avengers 2012 and uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. So this, this is a good... Step back for Thor. Uh, a little bit of a gonk. But this is a good step back from just hulking the entire movie to uh, him struggling with the ability to not control it or not control it when he wants to. But uh, I would say I would have preferred more Hulk, more hulking and less ruffling. And I didn't, I wasn't, too, wasn't too crazy about the bit where he was in the Hulk Buster and then like took the helmet off and was walking around. That was just kind of weird and jarring, like towards the end of the movie when it's like the serious scene and he's, the background is Ruffalo and the Hulk buster, <laughs> like with his head sticking out. <laughs> that was kind of weird. But, um, but yeah, where, where do you guys fall on Hulk uh, currently? Go ahead, Ellen. I was say, do you think they're trying to set up a Hulk movie? I mean, they, they really made it a point to cut to Ruffalo being like, we got a lot of things to figure out here, buddy. And they said know. that the, the, Kevin Feige was promoting uh, I only watched I think one little press junket thing he did but he said that Thor Regonk this and the next Avengers are kind of this little mini Hulk trilogy arc thing that they've got working on uh, to give him more of his own story he said he thinks that a Hulk movie could work sometime and they would like to do it sometime but it's not in their current slate of movies that they're actively developing but I mean I would like to see that i think that the fact that they've done it twice already and it hasn't really worked either time has kind of scared them away but um yeah. we're 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 at a point where like i said this uh this series is almost unstoppable at this point but i think if you did it it would have to be like planet hulk or you know kind of like what they did with regonk where it's hulk and then some other characters along where it's not just only isolated on him uh but i think that could maybe work eventually um so I liked Teenage Groot, too. I thought that was funny. Hilarious, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, underutilized again. I don't know why they keep underutilizing that character. They've done it in the past. Like, ever since Guardians 1, they've underutilized Groot, I feel like, or the potential of what that character can be. Um, he's important here later in the movie for a pivotal scene, but um, I think for comic relief-wise, you can do a lot more with Groot and Rocket. Uh, they focused a lot on Rocket and this, not so much on Groot. And I love the the pair of Rocket and Groot, but they've they've taken them apart, and I don't like that uh, as much. But uh, he was playing Defenders, the game, which was it's kind of an Easter egg. Kind of the plot of the movie is around sort of Defenders, the the game mm-hmm. in terms of what uh, the plot of the game is. Uh, we get a a, a Gamora origin story. We get. Vision and Scarlet Witch. Can we talk about this for a second? Uh, why is Scarlet Witch still around? And is it only because we need a love interest for Vision? Or to save people later in this movie at, at pivotal moments? I just don't know if her character means much to this. She's other than maybe her powerful, powers can though. become... Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. Her yeah. powers are very convenient. It's like, oh, we need something... 
It, it yeah. reminds me of Storm in X-Men. It's like you, she's never around until, oh, all of a sudden there's a hurricane that knocks out Magneto or whatever it is, you know? Uh, that's what it feels like. I, I just don't know. It's It's been very hard for them, I feel like, to work her into the story and have it matter or organically. Mm. Because, I mean, even her brother is gone, uh, Quicksilver. And that that was nobody really seems to be like where's Quicksilver? Why isn't he around? You know, uh, I just don't know. Uh, I love her as an actress, but I don't know if yeah, her character she, matters. She she's been one of the more poorly defined characters of the whole series, but for sure. But her her powers are are how she's powerful enough that you need her around for that. That's been my whole argument with Vision this whole time is like Vision powers me down more than anybody else in this whole universe i i just i oh i can't i don't care and uh but you you kind of need him for the thanos story and so i you know he seemed like i don't know i because of this the way everything ended i don't know if he's coming back for uh avengers 2019 but i know not but it's like he just doesn't really bring anything to the table I think at the very least, Scarlet Witch, you know, she does show out. And there's times when it's like, man, we really need some something big, something to come in and just really wreck shop here. You can you can bring her in. And kind of in a way, it almost worked to their benefit at this point, for this movie anyway, that we haven't ever super really well defined what she can and cannot do because they could just have her really do anything. And it was like, okay, that's fine. I, I have no clue if she's capable of doing that or not. It, it's It's fine. But... To your point, I think that's assuming that she comes back from the dead. I feel like that's a character you can kind of write off into the sunset mm-hmm. uh, after after the next movie. I think. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, it's too bad because she has like such a huge storyline, but unfortunately, a lot of it isn't like the X Men side on the comic. Right. Right. And yeah. she's super powerful, but that's it's too bad they're just not. Really? You just move her over to that. Now, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, not a bad idea at all. I love her. I love Elizabeth Olsen. I would like to see her in these movies. And but I, to your point, Ken, I don't know how much she. Like of all had. the characters that you, I mean, I'm sure they had a list that they were like, "All right, we're gonna have X amount of characters. Which ones are they gonna be? Who do we want where?" And um, like I said, the the only reason I found is a very convenient moment. Uh where she's with vision when they get ambushed and all that. And, and all that happens. But, um, another unconvincing relationship vision and Scarlet, Witch. <laughs> um, so yeah, another character that I, I roll at, I'm like, can't we just move on already is roadie. Um, I'm yeah. done. I'm done with the, we need a character to represent the government aspect of this. Can't we just have, William Hurt show up like every three movies and be like, what are you guys doing over here? And that'd be the end, you know, the whole war machine arc. I, I don't know. I'm done with that too. That to me, that, that reeks of we're holding on to the movies that founded us. And, and I mean, literally every, was Favreau in this movie too? They bring everybody back for this. I don't think I didn't so. see Favreau. He was a, he was in Spider-Man. And Ant-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Or the, yeah, they weren't in there here. Um, new Red Skull. New Red Skull. We had uh, noticeably absent was Valkyrie as well from uh, Thor Regonk. Not uh, oh, yeah. not Tessa Thompson. Not not involved in here. Uh, not yeah. There, I saw some some uproar on social media about 
her lack of uh, involvement. And uh, speaking Sorry, of, guys. oh, it's passed out. It's okay. I did too. <laughs> I, I like Tessa Thompson as well. Um, <laughs> funny moments where they do. Uh, remember when they shoot the uh, Squidward guy out of the ship? And they make a like a reference to Alien or something like that. I think uh, yeah. Spider Man does that, and then they use like those old movie aliens. Ugh, they on, use man. like Flex Seal from those infomercials to seal up the <laughs> ship. Yeah, Iron Man suit can do a lot of new stuff, guys. From from last, yeah, from uh, from Homecoming to now, a lot of upgrades. And, and it's only it's stored in like what his chest now. It's all nanotechnology, like Black Panther. So. Yeah. He doesn't have to have a suit. He can just uh, be Iron Man whenever. I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of the new Iron Man suit for this one, by the way. This really sleek, like, rounded version. Oh, that looks way too Ultron-y. Um, I'm more into the previous Mark V suit, I think. I don't know. <laughs> I, can't, I, have no I don't clue. even know. But I this is chain this mail. Is the, That's my goal. <laughs> just chain mail Iron Man suit. This is the least... Uh, least I've liked an Iron Man suit so far in a movie. So mm-hmm. you had another thing that probably benefited my my thought that you could move on from that if you if you really need to. Um Rocket and Thor already touched on that. That was good. Funny Love stuff. That. Love Rocket, man. Rocket is a star. Like I cannot wait for a Rocket Group movie standalone. I think that would work really well and people would go see that. I think that could be really funny. Um also cameo kind of from Peter Dinklage? Yeah. What, what did we think about that whole thing? I thought there's, I don't know, maybe a better way to forge a sword <laughs> instead of like having a Thor hold up a portal that's going to, it's truly is a better process for this, right? <laughs> like, for uh, this see, I, I like that. I thought that was cool. Cause it, if you have these like overwhelmingly powerful weapons, then there has to be some, you can't just like, head down to the metal shop and and you know stitch it together or something like i need i felt like it was probably a little overkill and that wasn't like the most entertaining segment of all the settings and jumps and stuff like that but it was i thought it was fitting that we have to have if you're gonna get a the literally the hammer of the gods or the axe of Mm -hmm. the gods something that can wreck shop the way that does down the stretch then you i don't know i think you have to have some kind of uh, absurd galactic special way, w- like harnessing the power of a sun to be able to to build that. I thought that, that was, was kind of that cool. was funny. The uh, just the whole what we're going to do with Thor in this movie is he's going to a galactic blacksmith. Like that's where he's yeah. that's yeah. where he's going to be during the Infinity War. Uh, I mean, it comes it comes to mean something later, but that was uh, funny. And I thought Peter Dinklage played that well, and that was a cool little cameo that I did not expect. Um, Richard mentioned Red Skull. I thought that was a cool reveal. Mm-hmm. I did not expect that in this because Hugo Weaving, being anti-American treasure Hugo Weaving that he is, I uh, didn't want to do this. And uh, I think who uh, did the voice? Did you say? I'm uh, sorry. It was some guy that I forgot his name, but he's like an impressionist, yeah. basically. Yeah, and he did an exactly. impression of Hugo Weaving, and they were like, "Okay, it's CG anyway. Doesn't doesn't really matter." And I guarantee you, nobody knew the difference. Um, I had the guy's name written down. I forgot forgot his name. Um, but yeah, that was a cool reveal. That reminded me of the, of Yoda in The Last Jedi. Just something like I thought would be cool, but didn't really think about heading in. And when it happened, I was like, oh, that was awesome. So 
So I guess he's just been hanging out on a mountain somewhere waiting for people to <clears throat> to hang out or didn't he get sucked up by the Tesseract or something at some point? I don't know. Um, I can't remember. That was so that was so long ago at this point, but yeah. So is the Infinity Gauntlet like the most MacGuffin-y thing ever in terms of bringing the plot forward? Um, for me, it was, wow, we really have to get all these stones in this movie. Like, couldn't he have picked up a few stones here and there? Like, I think he he, uh, he comes into the movie with the Power Stone, I believe it is, that he got in uh, um, Guardians, I believe it was. But, like, all the other stones he had to get. I, I just remember, like, he... We're an hour and 10 minutes into this movie, and I just remember thinking, he's only got two stones. <laughs> he's got to get all the rest of these before anything even happens. Uh, so that was a little bit of a beating. Like, you could have maybe spread the wealth a little bit more with the uh, the distribution of the Infinity Stones. But, man, it makes makes for a really fun kind of caper chase movie, essentially, right? Where mm-hmm. they're just chasing mm-hmm. Thanos all around the world and trying to make sure he doesn't get the stones. And they know where the stones are, and they got to get there before him. It made really yeah. easy to understand the plotting and what needed to yeah. happen. The, the setup was easy, and and any you'd have to be an idiot not to understand what's going on. Having seen even no Marvel movies, you'd understand. Right. Okay, he's got to yeah. get these stones. Well, that's, that's a New a, Yorker, but right. sure. Uh, but you no, know, I think I think you're right. Like there was there was a point where I was like, are we really going to track down all 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 these stones? Is that this whole movie is going to be? But in doing so, it really sets up. It sets the tone nicely for uh, the. The, the soul stone with with uh, with Thanos and Gamora because I I think if he's got four stones and he's only got to get two more and one of them is the soul stone and he goes and 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 uh, kills off his daughter I don't know that that hits as well as it does because they did a very good job of uh, humanizing I guess for lack of a better word of humanizing Thanos and and in that moment using Roland's good it, man yeah he is he's yeah. great 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 in the Goonies as well but. It, the, the way I've only know. ever seen him in W, so that's the only reason. I know. <laughs> uh, but you, like, I think if I think if you if you kind of uh, if you, you cut the corner on on the tracking down of the stones, I don't know that that the Soul Stone segment works as well as it does. I thought it worked really well. Um, yeah, cool. you don't expect that. I mean, this just goes to show that you can do dark superhero movies. And not have it be freaking Batman v Superman or mm-hmm. Justice League. You can do dark toned, dark subject matter, uh, as dark as a father murdering his own child just to get a freaking Infinity Stone or whatever it is, um, and have it work, and then be funny in the next scene. <laughs> it just doesn't have to all be. Let's let's desaturate this movie and add some. CGI dust and and that's dark you know I, I I think you can have it both ways and do it both ways and they they certainly did it both ways here um let's see did you feel like Black Panther and the Wakanda stuff was how much of it do you feel like was after the success of Black Panther or did you feel like this was all set in stone before Black Panther came out? Or how much did you feel like they had to react to where the culture is now? Does that make sense? Yeah, I thought, I think it was, the turnaround on this was too close to Black Panther, to me, to be able to have really restructured how everything went down. To me, if anything, 
I think if this movie came out six months later, like if this came out in it at Thanksgiving or something instead of instead of now, I think you would have had a. I think they would have reworked it to get more. If anything, they kind of underutilized Wakanda and T'Challa and the Black Panther. The whole the whole thing. I could have could have gone a little further, especially given how you know what a huge 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 hit that was with audiences with critics with just culturally i i don't know i don't i would be surprised if there was much if any like reworking to get that in there it, it felt pretty mm-hmm. i don't know it's pretty close cutting it close at this point that seems like a yeah. dc thing honestly not, <laughs> not a Marvel like they tried to do with uh justice league right with right with wonder woman right yeah no i absolutely right um the forging of the axe was really cool i thought that was a cool sequence and the way Groot's arm made the handle of the axe was a really cool touch, too. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was a very emotional moment, too. It, it didn't have to be like that, but it was. And, man, this movie really hammered home the emotion. I want to talk about the end and what it means from here on out. Um, so, essentially, what happens in the movie, and I thought this was pretty toned down, right? I thought this was toned down in terms of the entire fate of the the world is at stake, right? The entire fate of the universe is at stake. I thought this was toned down in terms of the third act. It's just a battle in Wakanda. Like, that's it. It wasn't like this, oh, here's what's happening in Berlin. Oh, my gosh. Here's what's happening in Buenos Aires. You know, it had this huge worldwide thing. I think you knew the impact of the world and what was going to happen, but it still felt isolated in terms of uh, the the overblownness that this movie could have suffered from. And at the end, it didn't feel like that much. Maybe it did a little bit when they unleashed like the, uh, lizard guy things that felt a little bit, Oh, here we go again. But they quickly ended that and didn't feel too bad. But, uh, like you mentioned earlier, Brian, the New Yorker said, uh, why must it always be (laughs) the universe that is, uh, at stake? Why can't it be the fate of Hackensack? Doesn't anyone care what happens in South Dakota or Denmark or Peru? I don't know if a nope. movie about the fate of Hackensack, New Jersey, called, would be as good. I'm sorry. Superheroes. Yes, called exactly. Superheroes. <laughs> called Stakes. Otherwise, it'd just be a movie called like City Council. He's actually like, making the, the argument that, that, this, park in there? that mm, the movie would yeah. have been better if it was about the fate of Santa Fe, New Mexico. Really? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. Sorry, Santa Fe. Dumb contrarian thinking. Yeah, exactly. But I, I did. I, I thought it was uh, it was cool to to set it in Wakanda at the end, and it made a made for a really good familiar setting uh, at the end. But uh, let's talk about what happens. So essentially, Thanos gets all the Infinity Stones and clicks his fingers together. Boom! Um, half of humanity is gone. Uh, Emma, you might, or, uh, Ellen, you humanity, half of, existence. yeah, half of existence. Right. <laughs> Ellen, you might be able to, uh, fill me in on why was it half of existence and not all of existence? Was there any kind of comic reason for that? Well, it's I, a lot of it has to do with, I guess, Thanos's theory going yeah. back to, you know, all of these overpopulated, yeah, planets and the, you know, limited resources, in the in the entire universe essentially but yeah in order to save these planets from turning into i guess you know 
Earth in the in Wally, you have to eliminate all of half the people on it. So we don't gotcha. like his, you know, they go to his home planet on Titan and it's completely destroyed because mm-hmm. it's overpopulated. Yeah. So, I mean, that's essentially, I guess. I didn't know. I, I guess the question I was asking was, was that something that MCU Kevin Feige came up with or was that always the plan of Thanos in terms of mm-hmm. did, did Marvel put that in here? Because, hey, we need half the characters to be alive at the end of this thing. Even if he succeeds, we need to have some kind of loophole to where. Oh, well, he only destroyed half of humanity, not the entire thing. Even, right. you know, um, I don't know. I'm I sure think they so. Listen. I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not admittedly super well-versed in, the, mm-hmm. in Thanos as far as the comics go. And honestly, my comic experience is more on the X-Men side, but, yeah. you know, still MCU. But yeah, I, I mean, as all I really know is really what the movie kind of explained. Cause yeah. I don't know. Thanos was never really a big draw for me as a comic reader, but Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, kind of, kind of exactly what they said in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, I thought the, the whole scene with vision and the, uh, mind stone, I believe it is with Thanos and, um, Scarlet Witch and everything and him rewinding time and then, you know, like her destroying the stone and then him, him using the time stone to rewind time and then go back and mm-hmm. get it. But that was a really cool moment. And, and it did a lot in explaining the kind of cosmic possibility of what the infinity gauntlet is, because you can go in almost anywhere with the infinity gauntlet now. And it's almost starting to feel a little X-Men days of future pasty where it's like, anything that we're not totally satisfied with that we've done in the, in the last 15 movies or whatever, we can just, Oh, we have the infinity gauntlet. We can rewind time and it never happened. Uh, so that feels a little bit MacGuffin-y and inconvenient to me too, as well. But at the same time, uh, it feels like there are endless possibilities on bringing characters back and keeping characters alive and dead and, and making it very much more dramatic when, when people come and go. But, uh, with the agent Colson thing on, Agents of Shield, like the fact that they brought him back, like I've for for Marvel, any time the character dies, I'm just like, well, he'll be back in two movies, right? Uh, mm. I just never believe it. Um, so I don't know what to believe, but uh, this yeah. is where this is where the Infinity Stones were. Uh, the Power Stone was on Xandar. The Space Stone was the Tesseract. Mind was Vision. The Reality Stone was the Collector. The Soul Stone, Gamora, and the Time was uh, Doctor Strange. So, um, let's talk about who, um, makes it out of this thing, right? Who, who do we think is dead? Who do we know is dead? Who will we speculate could be dead and who is definitely alive? So the, who we know is dead is, is Himdall, Idris Elba's character. We know he's dead. He dies at the, the beginning, um, of the movie at the hand of Thanos. Uh, we know Loki is dead or we think. I guess I'm saying that with a question mark. Um, Gamora, we see her dead body at the bottom of a cliff, crushed up, so I assume she's dead now. And uh, the Vision, right? Um, But at the end of this, we have some deaths at the hand of the Infinity Gauntlet that turn to ashes or dust at at the end of the movie, and those names are Mantis, Drax the Destroyer, Groot and Star-Lord, uh, Scarlet Witch, the Falcon, 
uh, the Winter Soldier, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and Black Panther. So they're gone. Bye. Mm. And who we have alive at the end of the movie is Okoye and M'Baku from Wakanda, uh, Rocket and Nebula from the Guardians, War Machine, for some reason, (laughs) Uh, Bruce Banner, the Hulk, Black Widow, Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America. And the ones we don't know their whereabouts is um, Shuri. We don't know really what happens to her in the in the Battle of Wakanda. She could have made it out or whatever. We don't really know. Nothing's really said there. Uh, Pepper Potts, we don't know what happens to her, if she's one of the half of humanity people or not. Um, Hawkeye, Ant-Man, uh, we don't really know what happens to the Collector in terms of his fate and... Wong and Ned, the assistants of Doctor Strange, too. We don't know their whereabouts at the end of this as well. Uh, I also I'm should mention this, by the way. If any, any, uh, it's a win-win for me. I think if any Titan out there wants to do this in real life, either I disappear and that's fine, or way less people. I'm kind of pro. <laughs> I'm on your team. In yeah. the words of Dwight Schrute, we need a new plague. Yeah. We do. Um, and I should well, mention according to Bill Gates, we're going to get one. <laughs> <laughs> we do need one. I people are the worst. I've I've been on the record saying that. I I can't stand people. Um and uh I should mention the post-credit scene of of Nick Fury and Maria Hill who are also disintegrated. And uh it's so funny how the the post-credit scene where they almost let Sam Jackson drop a mother f in a Disney movie <laughs> and at the right the last second he's uh turned to dust but um yeah i guess where they were pointing at is the debut of captain marvel next year where he pages her on a pager because captain marvel is set in the 90s which i can't wait Mm. for that but um so big question where do we go from here like i said the the characters that we have dead some notable ones are spider-man black panther doctor strange the winter soldier the falcon Half of the guard, over half the guardians. Yeah, all and the, the guardians except guardians for except Rocket. for Rocket and Nebula, and um, of course, dead. We think for sure, Himdall, Loki, Gamora, and the Vision. So, it looks like the original OG Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Black Widow, and the Hulk have to um, rescue, save the day. What I think is going to happen, and they hint at it here. In the movie, I liked where they tried to like they came up with the plan of let's just take the glove off him, right? <laughs> like that was their plan for part of this. Like let's just grab the Infinity we'll Gauntlet. Trade right? lives. Yeah, um, I think what's going to happen is Nebula is going to basically get the Infinity Gauntlet in terms of avenging her sister's death, right? Uh, and it's going to turn back time and rewrite all this. So I think Nebula will be the one to reverse history and bring back all these characters at the, uh, in, like I said, avenging <laughs> her sister's death. Hey, yo. So yeah, what do you guys think? I'm curious. My, I guess my thing is this was my, my one real complaint with the movie was I thought, like, I get it from the story structure of we kind of end up where we began with this whole uh, 
cinematic universe thing, you you're basically left with the characters that you started with, plus you know a couple others, plus Rocket and Okoye and and a couple others. But but for the most part, it's the original Avengers that now have to go and, and kind of seal the deal on this whole thing. I thought that was good. I I I'm a I'm in favor of stakes in superhero movies and comic book movies and blockbuster movies in general. I think it adds something to it to have uh, to have that sitting out there that that things could happen, that it's not just always going to be the kind of cookie cutter ending. I do feel like I'm curious if you guys agree or disagree with me on this, but um, I feel like in a weird way that that going as far as they did with the killing off of all these characters is actually like a pulled punch. Like I, the, the entire theater that I was with when Iron Man gets stabbed with a piece of his, uh, suit, um, the, you know, the entire theater kind of gasp and, and is breathless. Cause you're just, you're kind of waiting for that, for something to, to happen on that front. Like we've already established by that point that, characters are going to die and then you all you really think iron man's gonna bite it in that in that moment and then once you get down the stretch and you see like bucky vanishes and then there's a couple others that vanish and it it i felt like the whole theater was really taken aback and just in and kind of into the stakes of this whole moment and then it's pretty much as soon as black panther died I for me especially, but I, I felt like everybody around me kind of had this like, okay, well, I guess we're just gonna bring them all back next time around. Right. And I like it feels, I know it feels disingenuous there. when it, you've it, announced it, literally announced another, yeah. another Spider Man yeah. movie already. Like you can't Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's I, I say this is look, I took uh <laughs> I took my kid to see this. I took my five year old to see this movie and Lindsay and I, my wife, we were talking before and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, this is going to be pretty dark. I don't know if he can handle this. And I said to her, I was like, well, look, the two characters that he cares about the most out of all this are Black Panther. He wants to be Black Panther. So I'm just like letting that ride for the moment. But uh, Black Panther and Spider-Man are the two characters he really cares about. And I know they're going to be fine because we have all these movies that are headed this way and are not going to kill off these characters. So I was a little I was stressed out by that from that front. But Regardless of that, like that doesn't. How do you handle it? He, <laughs> he had his he got, Avengers uh, birthday like the next. Yeah, day. I know, I know. I was like, well, I scarred him for life. Great, his his favorite character. No, he was fine. He's very um, pragmatic. Of like, it's a movie. I I get it. I can continue to be. Black Panther continues to exist, regardless. And I was very reassuring. Of like, dude, hey, look, it's it, it's a movie. They can always bring him back and all this sort of stuff. So it was fine. But I I felt like it kind of cheapened the whole experience and and lessened the stakes in some ways. If you Honestly, if you if you come out of this with everybody else, I don't know, the Guardians make it a little bit difficult. But if if Star-Lord, if uh, if Black Panther and, and Spider-Man, if they all survive this, then I think we all know how these movies work. We understand how the cinematic universe goes and, and how comic book movies can, you know, we can bring. Yeah, but at least there's that conversation over the last exactly. year. Do you we think they're the coming back? Yeah, yeah. exactly. You have a conversation for a year of like, I don't know, I'm not really sure. Now it comes out and you just feel like I'm it's not will these characters come back? It's how long into the next movie before we get them all back? Is it gonna be the last twenty minutes? Is it gonna be halfway through? Like how's how does this work and how I guess how do we get to that point? And that's something like that's something worth talking about and stuff. I just it felt like 
I had the stakes that we really want for this kind of movie, especially given that we've been building to it for literally a decade. And then it kind of cops out at the end, which is a weird thing to say about something when, when the cop out is, we just killed off literally half the characters in this movie and most of your favorite, then it's weird. It's a weird criticism, I admit, but it, it did feel to me like, gosh, that kind of, I walked away with like a just a little bit of a lesser grade and a, and a lesser opinion of the movie because I was like, man, I, I just wish that wish we hadn't taken it that far because it just felt like that would have left us more to deal with next time around than what we ultimately end up with. If that makes sense. Yeah, it felt a bit in a way like like a BVS in terms of oh, we're killing off Superman. I'm like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, you're not. Well. That was a that's a small. But in complaint. some ways, that's such a comic tradition too, Ken, as you alluded to earlier. Like, yeah. in some ways, like, yeah, they always kill off characters and they always find a way to bring them back. So, yeah, sure. it, I I like the possibility of what what the uh, the stones, the Infinity Stones, can do in terms of what they can do in the next movie. I mean, they, in the first two and a half seconds, they can rewrite this entire movie if they want. Uh, who knows? But yeah, maybe it's only us, people like us, who listen to podcasts and do them and look into it, who who truly know where where this is going to go. Maybe for the general audience, they really do think Black Panther is dead. I don't, I don't know, but um, didn't fool didn't fool me really. Um, so Captain Marvel is the next movie that is, I believe, February of twenty nineteen. In February, yeah, beginning yeah, of March, and yeah. then uh, Avengers four next summer. So we've also got Guardians 3 coming down the pipe, an Ant-Man movie this year. Uh, what other movies have they announced? I think two more Avengers movies. Um, but ones they, they said, I think Kevin Feige did a is it GQ or something like that. Maybe Vanity mm-hmm. Fair. Somebody like that did this, did this uh, big piece on Feige, and he let slip that they have 20 movies planned beyond... <laughs> Infinity War. So I'm just thinking in my head that's probably two more Doctor Strange movies, two more Ant-Man movies, another Thor movie maybe, um, Black Widow series maybe at some point. You're probably going to do three Captain Marvels. Yeah, they are doing a Black Widow movie. They announced that recently. Um, I want I want them to do Nova at some point. I thought they were going to do that's Nova a, yeah, way sooner that's on than they the, have. The upcoming list, yeah, that could be really cool. Um, another two Spider-Man movies they're going to do probably. So there's twelve right there that I named. I don't know. I assume they're going to bring a lot more characters into the fold and giving them their own movies. Mm. My goal for this, or my ultimate fanboy dream for the next giant arc, the next ten years, would be. Avengers versus X-Men. I think that would be, that's my favorite comic arc is that mm. is how that crosses over. So that would be the ultimate dream. Now that they have the rights to the, uh, the X-Men would be to, to eventually do that. And I'm down with the current X-Men. If they want to cross this over with McAvoy and Fassbender and, and Deadpool and that whole thing, I'll be totally down for that. And, mm-hmm. uh, we think that'd be a really cool thing to start teasing, uh, for the we'll next have to see how five or Dark 10 years. Phoenix goes, yeah. 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 They're at the point. I think they could totally. If that doesn't work, they can reboot it under Marvel in Marvel Studios and be fine. Just like they did with Spider Man, you know, they'll they could do a, I don't know, X Men Beginnings or something like that. The same way they did with First Class, and just do one movie and then boom, cross them over with Avengers 
in the next year or two. I think that would be fine. But um, that would be where I would want this to go, would be Avengers vs. X-Men eventually. That's the dream. Um, one more thing I want to point out. I've heard comparisons to Star Wars with this. You guys heard any of that? In terms of Thanos being like Vader and and being in search of the uh, rebel plans, right? Or the, the droid or the Infinity Gauntlet, and then him forcing his daughter to reveal the location of the said stone or die. But uh saw that parallel as well. Um really enjoyed this. That. Really enjoyed how they crossed it between the galactic and the uh, earth stuff. Thought that worked well. And I'm just amazing that I wasn't overwhelmed. Um what I one complaint I will have, this movie would have been more successful? I hate to say that because it's the best high school movie of all time. It's a little bit more successful if it was right at two hours, five minutes. I think it would have been people seeing it multiple times. I just don't know if the two and a half hours thing works in this scenario. And I understand it is a big movie, but um, it's just a beating. Two and a half hours mm. for any movie is a beating. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I didn't think, I thought this was a, an example of how you one of the odd times when you actually might need that because there's a lot that's going into this. Do two I, movies, do two and a half. Yeah, that's what I mean. You can do, do three or whatever you, you got to split, you split this into the next Avengers. I mean, yeah, this was so good and with real stuff going on and a lot of characters I love and all of them kind of doing fun stuff and I was bored at a certain point because I was just like, oh, mm. I've been in here for so long. But maybe I'm not the best sample. Yeah, I think you can get, cut some of the. Vision stuff. I think you can cut the pepper pot stuff out. I think you could have, this could have been, could have been two hours 10 and still worked, but we shall see where they, where they go with the next one. Because, um, they're trying to say that these are similar or, or kind of the same story, but not, so not enough to have the same title, but enough for them to be sequels to one another, if that makes sense. So, I mean, the next one could be a totally different thing. Who knows? But that, yeah, we have less than a year to wait for that one. That's amazing. They've already shot that mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Ellen, you have any other thoughts? Anything you wrote down in your notes that you liked, that uh, maybe a scene that you, you really enjoyed? I thought the action was not over the top. There were some fun moments. I liked Spider-Man's little like spider suit thing with the spider legs. That was kind of cool. And I yeah. liked Alan Silvestri's score is really good here too. And, uh, made it, made a big difference for me, but what, what, what Ellen did you notice? Um, yeah, I, I like the score a lot as well. Um, I'd say, uh, one thing that kind of stuck with me, I'd say upon both viewings a lot was the whole trope of, you know, Thanos, like torturing someone or threatening to kill someone to get information out of another person did, you know, it reoccurred what, like three, four times in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, initially I, I'd say even right up with the first one with Loki and, um, Thor, I was like, uh, such a trope at this point in movies, but the way it kind of really well reflects, um, and the fact that you see, or that you see the, Avengers fail over and over again at, you know, allowing him to go through with it and giving in to him every time with whatever information he wants or, you know, giving in in that way. And he is the only one who actually does go through with it when he, you know, sacrifices Gamora. I thought that was a neat reflection of said 
type of trope um, into this kind of really reiterating his character and how far he will go to, you know, accomplish his goals. Um, I thought that was a kind of a neat use of plot device on that side. Um, but yeah, I mean, gosh, so much about this I really did enjoy and I was not expecting to be so so high on the movie with so much you know mm-hmm. expectations i will sure. say though yeah i you know i i agree with um the fact that a lot of people obviously know that there's going to be more movies with black panther there's obviously going to be more movies with spider-man so yeah it, once they all started kind of disintegrating away the stakes definitely dropped a bit um but i guess the big conversation will be I mean, we all know they're probably coming back, but will the other ones that we thought are really dead, like Gamora, or is she coming mm-hmm. back? I don't know. Right. Yeah, so yeah, I think that's yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I got it. She got that. She's got forty-nine uh, avatars to make. So. <laughs> oh, what a disappointing change for her. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. But yeah, I think that's kind of going to be where the real stakes are moving forward because we know that obviously, like the, all the, the actors that they just killed, like you know, Bucky and all of them, they've got contracts they're going to be we you know it's not just us i think the average movie viewer is kind of has their ear to the ground with these things these days more than ever before so i think that's where the real the real kind of conversation and question is going to be is the characters that we think are really dead if those ones are coming back you know yeah yeah totally good points any uh anyone else got anything before we grade this one out no, I've I've said all I've said my piece. I'm sure, we'll have more to discuss in the next few nah, weeks. As probably we, never talk as about we, this again. Yeah, never, probably. Yeah, I can't imagine that we'd ever even bring this bill up. No, no. couldn't even like, make 260 million. I mean, domestically, is it even trying? Gosh, <laughs> a letdown. I wonder how it's going to do in the like second half of week. what this podcast makes every week. <laughs> what is it? Um, what is it up against this weekend? Uh, Tully. Big uh, overboard, yeah. Big with Charlie's Mila there. Kunis, yeah. uh-huh. the Amy Schumer movie. What is it? Um, I feel pretty. That yeah, that's already that's out already though. out. Yeah. Oh, that that's, came out last week. It came out and no one cared. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, I guess yeah, totally. Nothing. Uh, they were smart yeah, enough. I guess not, a, not there's to. not a wide release. Yeah, no, coming out. I don't think anything will knock it probably until no. Deadpool's in like three weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. That'll be yeah. the challenge. Yeah. Something like that. Okay, well, I'm going to grade Avengers Infinity War. On level of difficulty, this is a 95 out of 10. <laughs> um, really impressed with the Russos. I think their background in, in sitcoms really helped them with these characters yeah. and how they interact. And, and it, it actually works in terms of the chemistry that they bring out of the actors. So um, in terms of difficulty, it was very difficult. I had a few complaints, like I said. Um, but I was entertained, man. Uh, I I can't wait to see this again. I didn't say that about uh, Age of Ultron. I don't think that was a beating. But this one, I'm really looking forward to the rewatch, and I think this is going to go perfectly with the Avengers and and uh, Civil War and this. That to me, that's my Avengers trilogy. So um, really excited to rewatch this. I'm giving this an A. What about you, Brian? Yeah, I'm with you. It's uh, gosh, the, the the scale of difficulty on this is is kind of unbelievable. I'm I'm super impressed with just the way the Russos put it all together. I I thought you mentioned earlier Civil War, Richard. Not 
I thought I'm with you. Like, I think that they, uh, I feel like they kind of learned from not necessarily the mistakes, but the civil war just has so many scene changes and, and, uh, and shifts. And we've got to bounce from place to place, to place, to place, and get this character in, get that character in. And, and it, there, it's not, I think that civil war is is a really solid movie, but it's not particularly smooth. And, uh, the fact that this is like having this movie be smooth with all that you're trying to accomplish is is pretty pretty stellar. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it an A. I I would say it's one of the top. I don't know. It's hard now because there's so many. They've made so many stinking movies and and most of them are are good to to quite good. So it's probably like a top five at least. Yeah. Marvel movie. I think. I don't know. Maybe I'll do a letterbox list at some point the next week but yeah it's an a for me and and uh high quality all around uh richard what about you let's go to let's go to ellen first i'll bring home i'll be the hammer um yeah i'd say it's i, I mean i agree it's a solid a um uh actually you know i'll probably i'll probably go a plus on it just because when i think about the other you know marvel movies it really does rank up especially avengers i think this one was a better Better all around outing, especially mm. more than you know Ultron and probably the first one. I mean, there was a lot to establish in the first Avengers, and with you know Thanos, he was just I don't know maybe the, obviously the great the, the biggest villain we've had so far, and Josh Brolin just got even you know pushed through all of that CG and really delivered a good performance, and I thought that was just so impressive. And um, mm, man, yeah, I'll. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go solid A plus on this one because it's yeah, it's I I don't know what else I would rank above it, but I'd I'd say it's probably yeah top five Marvel movies that they've done. For sure, I'd put it up in, in there too. I haven't ranked them yet, but uh, it's it's high up there. What about you, Richard? Uh, I'm gonna go. It's definitely on the higher tier of Marvel movies. I need to see it again, and I kind of and I, I I think I grade this as partially the any demerit I give it is is more of an incomplete just because it doesn't really feel like a full movie because there's obviously so much more to come. So I'm going to go a minus on it, but I, but I enjoyed it a great, a great bit. Great. Great. Well, great. Let us know your thoughts. If you, uh, if you saw it, I want to know your thoughts, fans, please email us or or tweet us at mad about movies. If you, uh, if you want to chime in on this conversation, we will continue it off the air for sure. Um, but Let's move on and hit a quick weekly recommend. Weekly recommends. Okay. How about uh, we'll let the guest, Ellen, give her weekly recommend. Yeah, so while um, while we're kind of talking Marvel, um, a show that has been kind of on my list for a really long time and I hadn't gotten around to it uh, but finally started recently was Legion on FX mm, mm-hmm. um, I um, yeah I just it's really good and it's which is no surprise knowing that Noah Howley is the writer behind it um, and we all know and love him from the Fargo TV series um, I'm a I'm a little surprised it took me so long to get into the show but it's yeah it's just super well Put together and really well directed and um it does you know fit into the marvel universe but it's completely a story of its own and um yeah it's uh it's very weird and kind of out there and 
the story shifts and turns and you're not really sure it, it is it kind of in the mind of of a of a mutant who's a very powerful telepath so you're not really sure what's real and what's not it's um yeah big recommend for legion i'm nice. they're like midway through the second season right now so yeah anything noah holly does is just is really it uh, based on the paul bettany property legion <laughs> <laughs> no but uh the main character does does flog himself oh good like in all paul bettany movies it's weird when vision did that yeah i didn't feel like that was in keeping with the character i love legion weirder Um, in wimbledon bro (laughs) first season of legion is unreal it's so weird and out there and and trippy and it but gosh it's good so good i've only seen like two episodes of this season but it's one where you're like i don't really know what's going on but i am very much enjoying the ride so, exactly. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, okay, I'm gonna recommend a TV show. Uh, I don't know if it's on TV anymore, but it's it's. Um, I think it's available on YouTube now. I think all the episodes are on there. Uh, this is a show that I got into, like I don't know, seven eight years ago that I thought was hilarious. It made a run on Comedy Central for one season, didn't Here's last, but it uh, it was on in Canada and uh, is a Canadian kind of staple show. Have y'all ever seen Kenny versus Spinny? I think I probably recommended it before on the show uh, before, but it is a super funny show about two roommates basically that compete against each other in these, in these crazy competitions. So they have, they compete like who can stay up the longest, who can go the longest with uh, who dancing the longest, right? They have these stupid, competitions but they get so into it and competitive with each other that it's 100 percent real like they're actually competing they do this one where like who can drink the most beer right and uh and one is getting super uh, spoiler alerts for the episode but like one gets super drunk but the other one like swaps his beer out with non-alcoholic beer so he's drinking as much (laughs) but the other guy's getting super wasted like just stuff like that they just find out how to beat each other in these competitions super funny um, Kenny versus Spinny. I think they're all on, on YouTube, but insanely rewatchable, really, really funny kind of reality TV mixed with comedy TV kind of sketch comedy and, uh, super inappropriate. So don't, don't have kids in the room if you want to check it out or if you've seen it, but if anybody has seen the show, they know, they know what I'm talking about. Kenny versus Spinny. Hilarious. Don't know why it's not on Netflix. Um, don't know why Netflix hasn't brought it back and, you know, they could do a thousand different competitions. So uh, it'd be one that I would love to see rebooted eventually. But uh, really funny. Nuggets, my recommend. Kenny vs. Spinny. The episode I'll recommend is uh, First to Get a Stain Loses. So they like wear these all white suits, <laughs> like essentially <laughs> white bodysuits. And the first one to get like literally anything on it loses. And so they're like trying to stain each other the entire episode. It's so funny. But uh, yeah, that's my recommend. Kenny versus Spinny, good stuff. What about you, Brian? I can I just recommend. We were all at a concert last night, and, and uh, I just I just want to rec- just find Jack White on tour. The first time I've seen him in t- in concert. Uh, can't have you seen him before? I know Richard had. I don't know if you. I don't think so. I feel like I'd okay. seen him at like a festival at some point, but I don't. Okay. I don't recall. Like it's not vivid if I do, but that was the first time I'd seen him in like a club. Yeah, 
it was sure. uh, man it was really it was good. awesome great show mm-hmm. he i was I'm always impressed with uh like he has great he has great presence that's part of i think that's part of what makes him uh who he is it was even more compelling watching him live just be like work the, the way he worked the room and worked the stage was i felt like that was worth the price of admission regardless of whether or not you know you actually like the the music the, the new record's kind of crappy but um even some of the stuff that I don't like on the record sounded better live and which is not uncommon at all. But, uh, anyway, he, he put on a great show and he's, he's still got quite a few, uh, quite a few shows on this, on this tour. And band was hot too. Really good. Band, band. was really good. The and thing, man, he fed, he fed well off, off the, both the band and, and the crowd, the energy of the guys. The first time I've been to a concert in Dallas where the, the crowd didn't suck in a long time. That was, it was a pretty Richard and I had pretty, we were in a kind of the, good seats for that we weren't just being bombarded with uh with douchebaggery but but it was uh still even still you could tell everybody was into it that didn't seem like there was a huge it helped that you couldn't have your cell phone out at all i think that was that was pretty cool but anyway it was really good show and it was uh for me it was kind of like a little a, a bit of a bucket list but um i would say that if you're even if you're not a uh, a Jack White fan or a White Stripes, whatever, that uh, you could probably pick up tickets on StubHub whenever he's rolling through your city, and I think it's worth uh, things worth checking out. If you're not a not a fan, it was uh, it was quite the experience anyway. So that, that's me this week. Cool. Uh, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna recommend uh, this one's a little out there, but uh, it's just a it's a channel that I watch a lot. Um, on it's a streaming kind of OTT network. NRA TV. Follow. No, you know there's NRA TV and there's Scientology TV mm-hmm. and all these different ones out there now. But the one I really like is uh, is Parrot TV. It's just mm-hmm. 24 hours a day of parrots um, just hanging out <laughs> trees. <laughs> so are they, hold I, on, hold on, are they? Are they green? Are they green? <laughs> They're all the parrots. Green, red, pink, whatever. <laughs> so Brian, and, Brian Kent and I were in an Uber last night. And we got... Trying to do the, comedians in cars getting coffee. We tried. Yeah. They just, they <laughs> we tried. No, we were trying to do I the... Uh, like the... Um, Justin Anderson or whoever that did it with LeBron and KD. We were recording our version <laughs> of that. But no, we were... We were in the Uber, and the guy had the, the iPad... The classic move of the iPad. We got a Suburban, because like, we're kind of ballers. And... Uh, just kidding. There was like seven of us, and the guy had a uh, had hit the iPad up on the dash, just move. But all it was was just nonstop parrot footage, and it was the creepiest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, my recommend. All your recommends are great, but mine is you know, and I recommend a similar thing a couple weeks ago. But mine is the only recommend um, that has consistent amount of Kent Garrison in it, and so I'm going to recommend the uh, Amazon show, The All or Nothing Dallas Cowboys show so it's good <laughs> NFL films, which is I was like solid. what are where is this going <laughs> yeah, I, I told you the uh, michigan one a couple weeks ago was was good uh but the nfl footage nfl films footage was lacking this one has all the nfl films footage and it's just really kind of an interesting look uh behind a a pro football team and you know about every six and a half minutes you just see kent kind of scamper by look at looking adorable man looking Thanks. good there's one where you're like kneeling on the ground and then you get up and check your phone i'm like oh he's probably texting us right there and pretending to do his job probably was. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, it's good. But it, it, the show's great too. But I mean, you should definitely all screenshot us every time you spot Kent in it because that would be a fun. Bit. <laughs> so do you uh, do you love Jason Garrett or hate him after seeing it? 
you know, man, this is public forum, dude. So I'm just going to say, you know, <laughs> definitely a person. He is a person. I think. Is he? Well, well, I don't, I don't it's Take it too far. Take it too far. Yeah, we can't guarantee anything. There's nothing definitive. Yeah, it's a process. My my uh, relationship with him, we got to work through the process and just stay in it. He and I, and see if we can get along. You know, at the end of the week, but it's going to be a process. We're going to have to stay through all week and put in our work. Big fan of Brill, though. We all love agree. Brill. Big Brill guy. Okay, good stuff, guys. So much fun talking Avengers with our guest Ellen. Shout uh, shout out to you, and thank you for being on here. Uh, if the fan wanted to follow you on Twitter and get more. Uh, amazing analysis on I'm assuming a lot of things in life maybe uh, what your favorite animals are, things like that uh, where can they follow you and find you uh, uh, yes, uh, solely content about animals um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Ellen Tudus, that's E-L-L-E-N T-O-U-D-O-U-Z-E Ellen Tudus on Twitter yep. awesome <laughs> okay, you can find me on the internet at kentgarrison.com, Kent Garrison on Twitter and Snap. Follow me there. Brian, where can we find you? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter, which will be out next week. Richard, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me on all the stuff uh, at Richard Barden, all the social medias that you can handle. Um, and uh, can't work can I or the Mad About Movies podcast and whatever all that stuff <laughs> can't work can yeah. I find you find me again on the Twitter find our show madaboutmoviespodcast.com find the VIP section on there join us there for some fun times uh, I believe next week on the main feed we're talking Big Lebowski maybe something like that well it's it's just your opinion man yeah well, we'll call her you are dude um, we'll see. Oh, I think it's, I think it's going to be big Lebowski next week. Oh. Um, or maybe Gosh. we'll just do, Hey, we have our 400th show next week ish too. We do. So be ready for that. Yeah, up soon. we do. And can we reveal the subject of that show? Brian, do you nope. want to do that? Okay. Nope. Not right. ready. Yet. We're going to, we're going to, we'll say that for another day, lab. but we'll look yeah. for that. Um, I'm writing on the windows right now with algorithms. Exactly. Trying to figure it out. Uh, thanks for joining us. If it's your first time joining us, Hit subscribe, leave five stars if you liked our episode, and follow us and join us next week for more movie talk. But until then, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I've got you pegs. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. <laughs>